everyone. Welcome to another episode of That's So Fetch. We talk about dating, Torah, and everything in between. So today's episode is part three of our Aliyah series. And my first guest is Jazzy Morgan, who is famously known as the Israel Bites on Instagram, has graciously accepted my invitation to join us on this auspicious day to hear about her Aliyah story and about her life in general these days. So thanks so much for joining us, Jazzy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Me and Jazzy have been in touch back and forth. We recently did a illustration together for her Instagram and I love all of her content and you know, we'll keep talking about it. We'll plug it. All that good stuff will come. That we met in real life. Like this was an organic. Oh, yes. Yes. That was crazy. So funny. I like realized when I looked at Jazzy's Instagram, I was like, I, I met this girl like in real life before. (laughs) And when I was on my Pardes trip last summer, I had a Shabbat meal and she happened to be there. So I was like, wow. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, maybe like an elevator pitch. Who are you? What do you do? Where'd you come from? Just the basics. Sure. Um, so my name is Jazzy. I am originally from a small island in South Carolina of 300 people um, and somehow ended up in Jerusalem. Um, I kind of had this on and off again relationship with Israel even though my first time in Israel was on birth rate in 2014, um, I kind of just kept coming back. And eventually I was like, okay, I guess I'll define the relationship and uh, we'll make it official. So I made Aliyah in, it was like literally two years ago tomorrow, I think. Um, wow, that's huge. Yeah. And I've been working in the nonprofit world for the last two years while getting a master's in Talmud and running a food blog. And most recently during Corona, I actually launched my own social media marketing business. So I'm now a full-time freelancer. Wow. How does that feel? That's um, so exciting. Scary and exciting. And like some minutes I'm shitting my pants and the next minute I'm like on cloud nine. So. Wow. That's awesome. And your brand has really, I mean, I've been watching it and it looks really awesome so far. And I'm always so impressed by your consistency on the platform. Yeah, it's definitely it, it, consistency is the most important thing I think in general with success um, but especially when it comes to success online and through social media um, so back to our Aliyah story where and what place were you at in life when you made Aliyah and why did you initially make Aliyah okay good questions um, so I made Aliyah when I was two months into a post-college gap year program I was studying at the conservative yeshiva I was actually on track to be doing a two-year fellowship, which was one year in America after I finished like a year in yeshiva. Um, And two months in, I had this meeting with this rabbi and I was telling her at the time I thought I wanted to be a rabbi. I've since like changed career paths, but I was telling her that like, I really wanted to live in Israel and that I feel just like so comfortable and at home here, but that I didn't feel that I could be a rabbi as a female in Israel and be taken seriously. And she told me like, that's a bunch of bullshit. 
And no one's going to feel comfortable being a female rabbi in Israel until there are female rabbis in Israel. So if that's what you want, like, come and do it. Come be that pioneer um, and set that stage wow. for the people come after you. And it's just this really, like, eye-opening conversation because also Israel, like, is the start of nation. And it is one of those countries where if you come here with a dream and you really fight for it, you can make it happen. Um, so that was just, like, a totally life-altering conversation that I had with her, like, in this small classroom at the conservative yeshiva. And that day wow. I turned in my application. Um, so I was like fresh out of college. It was like my fourth time in Israel, I think. Um, yeah. What was wow. So, so initially when you were going to Israel, you wanted to become a rabbi. You like decided, okay, like how did you react to what she said? So I decided I wanted to be a rabbi when I was 12. And basically everything I did in my life from the age of 12 on was in lieu of like how to get there and like how to be the best rabbi that I could be. Um, I grew up in like a not observant family. So I like thought I wanted to be a rabbi to like fix the reform movement for like issues that I had within the movement. Um, but when I came to Israel, like both on study abroad and then later at the conservative yeshiva, I really learned that there's like this whole gamut of different types of Jews and that um, I didn't need to fix anything. Like nothing was broken. It was just that I was in the wrong place for me. Um, so I think that conversation mm. really built into that of being like, okay, like you need to be in the right place for you in Israel. If you feel that Israel is the right place for you, then you can make it that place for you, no matter what it is that you want to do. Um, so it was just like a really affirming conversation because she's a rabbi and a woman and she was American and moved to Israel. So it was like seeing someone and having that mentor that like showed me that I could do it. Um, even if it decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do anymore, but at the time it was just really re reassuring. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like she also herself was a pioneer in the sense that she was a a female rabbi who lived in Israel as well. She's also a huge activist, like whatever. She's like the coolest person ever. So she's a pioneer in so many ways. But yeah, definitely. Crazy. Wow. So how did your family react when you told them you wanted to make Aliyah being that, you know, it sounds like it wasn't such the norm from where you were coming from? Um, so my parents, I think, knew that it was going to happen before I did. Like, I came on birthday with my brother, um, and we were the first two people from our family really to ever come to Israel. Um, my grandparents grew up mm -hmm. Orthodox in the shtetl in Ohio, but um, Israel was also, they went to like a labor Zionist camp, but they never, going to Israel was never really a thing. Um, so it was really like exciting for my family that someone was finally going to Israel and like the dream was being fulfilled because it was a thing of like this, Israel is a beautiful place. It was just never... We traveled a lot, but my dad really and my parents are really passionate about like traveling America. Like my grandparents drove from South Carolina to Alaska in their RV. Like we were really passionate about traveling America. So it just like wasn't ever a thing to like go to Israel. Like we could travel in America. Um, but once I started coming and I kept coming back, they kind of got this hint that like I, I was going to stay here for a long term, whether it was to move here or just be here for like many years. Um, and then my dad, when he came to Israel for his first time, uh, he, we were sitting on a bus on the way to the Israel Museum and he just looked at me and my mom said, well, if you ever decide that you want to come home, you can. And my dad looked at her and was like, she is home. Can't you see that? Which was like really, really like, it meant a lot because my dad's not Jewish. So it was just like, I don't know, it was very emotional for me for him to say that and for him to feel that way with wow. him really having any sort of connection to the country. Um, so that's kind of when I knew I made the right choice. Do you feel like you've made friends that kind of have become like a support system that is valuable for you? 
Totally. So I came for study abroad and then I came for a winter break program and then I came for like my year in Israel. Um, so I really spent those times like trying to build a strong foundation. I was nannying for this family and they like really have become like really big people in my life. I actually mm. met my friends mm. through Instagram. Um, but I have this really strong network of like other Israeli Instagrammers. Um, yeah, I feel a lot of support here and very at home. And like, I have my Israel mom and it's really nice. That's beautiful. Which is actually, you know, you mentioning Instagram is a good segue for you to tell um, us a little bit more about your influencer lifestyle. Forgive me if you don't like the word influencers, but um, I guess I'm just curious what what it is your page is about and what the network in Israel for influencers is like. Totally. Um, so I started my page. I actually started a page in Charleston where I did undergrad um that was basically I wrote a bucket bucket list of places I wanted to try before I graduated and I decided to make an Instagram account to follow myself on this journey of trying all of these restaurants and it kind of took off and I got invited to like some restaurant openings and some events and it was really fun fun. a lot of free food and I like really enjoyed it so when I came for study abroad I was like oh I'll make a little like Instagram journal so I can kind of watch what I, I can look back on what my study abroad experience was like Obviously, it quickly became a food Insta because all I did on Study Abroad was eat. And I had a really hard time navigating being celiac when I was in Israel on my study abroad. Um, Lots of tears were shed, lots of days without eating on Tulium. And I realized that there was no source for English speakers on navigating being gluten-free in Israel. Um, I thought back to my birthright experience and I was like, yeah, I had no idea where to eat. And I ate at Aroma for every meal because it was the only place I knew had like things that were safe. And that's so halal because there's so many amazing gluten-free restaurants in Israel. Um, So that's how the Israelites was born. So it was a study abroad journal that transitioned into being basically Israel's only English resource for celiac disease. Um, And it really became my life. So even when I was just here for my year in Israel, I really became really passionate about the page and about um, exploring the food scene and figuring out what was safe to eat and where was safe to eat and coming up with all these lists. Um, And obviously there was a need for it because it grew pretty quickly. Um, And I kept getting messages from people like on SEM or parents of kids on SEM being like, this page has been such a resource for me. Like, I don't know what I would have done without this page. Um, So it's been really great and really rewarding to be able to help people navigate and learn that there's more to eat than just aroma. (laughs) It also must have been so gratifying for you to be going on this journey yourself and trying to figure it out, but then at the same time, making something positive for other people. Totally. Like I get really excited for myself every time I find a new cool place to go or a new interesting like product in the grocery stores, things like that. So it's really exciting for me and it kind of like encourages me to keep continuing to find new places and not get stuck it's really easy when you have an autoimmune disease or really any chronic illness to just kind of find your comfort zone and stay in it and so I think a big part of my page is trying to push people like so many people that I know that have celiac are like oh I eat at these three restaurants because I know they're safe and that's it and like I don't ever try new places so it's really like me pushing myself to get out and try new places and also pushing others to like really step out and like realize that there's more than we don't have to live such limited lives um, even for a diet is a little bit limited. Do you feel like you can go out to like a lot of restaurants and find things to eat at this point? Yeah. Okay. So I think that it is quite easy to find places to find things to eat places because I think 
a lot of people understand celiac disease here in a way that I don't necessarily think people understand it in other places, especially in America. I think Europe is pretty knowledgeable, but America, I find that a lot of people have no idea what I'm talking about. But I'll go to like the ice cream stand by my house and they'll ask me like how severe it is. Like, do they need to go switch their gloves? Should they get new spoons? Should they get ice cream from the back? Like a lot of places will, even if their menu says that something's gluten-free, they'll clarify with you. Okay, but are you are you allergic? And they'll be like, okay, this is gluten-free, but it's not good for people that are allergic. Or they'll understand that like, if the fryer is shared, then it's not safe, um, which is something that I really appreciate here. Yeah. So when you initially moved, what were some of the hardships that you experienced? I think a really big thing was just being able to advocate for myself. Um, you mm-hmm. have to, with the bureaucracy here, you have to do things like three times before you're actually going to be successful. So whether it's filling out tax paperwork or dealing with a, some ministry of whatever, um, you really have to like fight for yourself and continue to keep showing up until they give you what you need. Um, and that's really hard from like an American standpoint to feel that chutzpah and to be able to really just like, like, no, I need this. You need to help me. Um, it's just not something that I grew up doing. Like Things right. just kind of worked when you needed them to work and you didn't have to do so much self-advocating. So that was a really big skill I had to learn. Yeah, that's really something that I've heard across the board is like kind of uh, figuring out how to assert yourself and have that like um, harifness. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like I've kind of gotten the hang on being a chutzpanit. Um, mm-hmm. now, now it's a lot more dealing with the hardship of trying to like figure out like where exactly I fit because I think mm-hmm. When I first got here, I was hanging out with a lot of Israelis because I was really trying to hang out with Israelis. Then you sort of find your niche and you find your people. And I realized that I like fell hard into the Anglo community, um, which is wonderful and great. And there are amazing people in the Anglo community. But I really struggle with, I have like a few very good Israeli like born friends, but I struggle with kind of like getting into that crowd and like maintain, finding ways to meet those people because the events that I end up going to and the things I end up doing are generally with other Anglos. So you really have to work hard to get out of the Anglo bubble. So that's something that I struggle with a lot. What advice would you give to someone, you know, three pieces of advice to someone who's considering making Aliyah in this time of their life? Maybe they're like a couple years out of college. Um, Okay. So one of them is definitely, definitely to really think about the place that you're moving to. So I think a lot of people just move somewhere because they want to go to Old Pond there or something like that, but they don't really look into the community. And I think every city and even every neighborhood within a city in Israel has a totally different vibe. Um, so like the vibe in Baca in Jerusalem is so different than the vibe in Nachlaot. So you really have to look for a community that's going to fit you. Um, and I find that a lot of people maybe make Aliyah to Jerusalem that aren't religious and then find it hard to be here because everything's closed on Shabbat or vice versa. They make Aliyah to Tel Aviv and then have a really hard time finding a Jewish community there that they feel part, like connected to um, mm-hmm. so doing research in location and like down to the street, like the neighborhood that you're living in um, can be really helpful because I originally moved into the shuk and I was like, this is going to be so fun, but I'm not really a partier. I don't really enjoy going out. Um, I like to have sleep. So it was really hard for me to be living on top of marzipan and not being able to sleep on Thursday nights and feeling the pressure to go out all the time. Um, wow. But if I had been like a few streets over in Rehavia, I would have been totally happy. And that's where I've been living for the last three years. Yeah. And 
you wouldn't, I guess now looking back, you could maybe have wished you'd told yourself like to, to think more about what kind of community you want to live in. A hundred percent. It was just like, I needed a place. I wasn't in Israel, so I couldn't look at places on site. So I just needed to find somewhere that I could sign a lease for. And it was like, that happened to be the apartment that I found that was in my price range. And I didn't really look into, I knew it was in the shock and I was like, cool, fun. But I didn't really think about the impact that it would have. So I definitely recommend people really look at where they're moving to. And this one's number two piece of advice. It can be a little tedious and like a little bit frustrating to make Aliyah into an old pun. But if your Hebrew isn't great, I would recommend just going straight into it. Like, don't say, oh, I'll take a few months and I'll live and then I'll go into Ulfan. Like, really already have your Ulfan planned the second you're landing in Israel because I think it's really easy to keep putting it off. Um, And a lot of people just keep putting it off and keep putting it off. And then eventually the government doesn't pay for it anymore. And then eventually, like, you're married with three kids and you don't have time for Ulfan. And then you just never, you never do it. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think... Even if you're coming here with a job, like find an evening opan and sign up and start the day, two days after you make Aliyah, like start immediately. Um, so just get like, it's one of those things you just, you just got to do it. You just got to get it over with um, or else mm-hmm. I really think that you'll end up wishing that you had. And I think a lot of people that made Aliyah didn't do that wish that they had. Um, one more that's just like, I think simple. I think there's a big pressure to take the Nefesh Benefesh um, charter flights it's like so fun and so crazy and exciting. And um, I personally knew for myself that that would be a very stressful day for me. That if I was on this crazy plane where like I can't just sleep and people are so excited and singing and dancing and it's the best day ever, it was like not going to be the best day ever for me. Um, so mm. I decided to go on a group flight, which was a flight with like 20 people making Aliyah instead of a full flight of people making Aliyah. Um, and I think that was really great for me because I didn't feel alone. I felt like I had that excitement and that support and there were people to talk to when I was waiting to go through um, all the immigration process. But it wasn't that overwhelming that there are hundreds of people on this flight and we're all going to this concert and we're having this crazy day. Like that just wasn't good for me. And for other people, making Aliyah totally by themselves is the best move. Um, so definitely don't feel pressured to have to go on one of these crazy charter flights if that's not for you. Yeah. So we love talking about dating on That's So Kvetch and we'd love to hear about some of your recent experiences, you know, with all the coronavirus new, um, dimensions. Okay. So I actually have this really crazy story. Um, there are all these dating website things, Facebook groups that have popped up during, um, Corona and one of them sends you like weekly matches based on this survey so the other week I got my matches and I saw this name of this guy and I was like this name looks so familiar so I went to Instagram because I was like I think I've he follows me and I realized that I got matched with this guy that has basically been following me for years and we've had all these like really deep conversations where he's like told me about places that I should explore in Israel and like we just had like a lot of conversations on Instagram um so basically he knows everything about my life and I went to his Instagram page and I can't find any, like there's nothing about him on his page. Like there's no pictures of him. It's all like nature photography. His Facebook has nothing on it. I'm like, how do I go on a date with a guy that he already knows that he wants to date me? He knows everything about me and I know nothing about him. So it's like really weird to come in blind to this like possible date. Um, not knowing wow. I'm and feeling like I'm going to get there and what am I going to have to say to him? Like he knows everything I've done in my life since I was, I don't know, a baby. <laughs> wow. That's so crazy. So in your conversations with him, did he ever like talk about himself though? 
No, it was always just like recommendations for things that I should do or him like commenting on things that I had posted and like being really supportive and lovely. And I'm sure he's a really great guy, but I like can't bring myself to go on a date with him because I'm like, it's so strange that you know everything about me. Wow. Do you feel at all flattered by the fact that he's like so ready to go out? So I don't like, I mean, I don't know that he's so ready to go out. Like we got matched to this like matchmaking site. Um, and when I brought it wow, up, what are the odds? I like, ma- I like, I saw it and I messaged him and I was like, mom, what's up? Like, what is the chance that like, this is you? And he was like, it's mm-hmm. me. And I was like, oh my God. He was like, it's okay. Like you don't, if you don't want to go on a date, like that's fine. And also we can just grab coffee. Like it doesn't have to be like so pressured or whatever. And he was like really nice about it. And I was just like, it's just so strange that you like, if you're going to go on a date with me, then you know that you want to go on a date with me because you know who I am. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a weird dynamic to be like entering a date on. Yeah, so basically like because of Corona, it hasn't happened anyway, but mm-hmm. I like really don't know what to do. All my friends are like, oh my God, this is me and mine. Like you have to go out with him. Um, Classic. Yeah. I love friends. They always say like, they always say the same things. You know what I mean? Like you can't change for a guy or like, <laughs> like it's meant to be like this such a cute meet cute story, you know? Cute story, like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you're like yeah but also like I don't know about that <laughs> I just like I don't even know what I would talk to him about <laughs> I think it would ha- it should be like a questionnaire where like you know the whole date is really you finding out about him you know <laughs> just playing catch up honestly can you write me cute DM me like what your Instagram bio would be if you wrote an Instagram bio as if your page was a blog like what instagram stories would you make you know oh my gosh how do you make your coffee in the morning (laughs) it's so scary like do you feel like you know maybe you would share like a little less after kind of having this experience or like it's totally irrelevant i think in general lately i've started sharing less i think like when i was a smaller page it was mostly just like my personal page that was also like all about gluten-free food um, so like my, my feed was very, I never showed my face for like the first few years that I had my page, but my stories were like more personal, whatever I'm doing on that day. Like I didn't really put much thought into them. Um, and I think when the page grew and it like kind of became more of a business is when I really realized like no one cares about the little parts of my day-to-day life. Um, so I'm going to stop sharing them. <laughs> oh, I see. Also, like there's only so much time you have, you know? Yeah, also, like, sometimes I just need a break. So I realize, like, when I'm not feeling like I need to share, like, every meal that I make at home or things like that, then I feel more less – I feel, like, less pressure on me. Yeah, that's really healthy, again, to have, like, those boundaries. So um, thank you so much for joining us, Jazzy. This has been absolutely lovely. Where can we find you on Instagram? You can find me at at the Israelites. Okay, awesome. And your social media page? It's called JLM Social. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I hope that you all enjoyed listening. So for our next guest of the day, we are having my old friend from Stern, Karen Lynn Amuyal, who recently just made Aliyah. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her experiences having just made Aliyah during a pandemic. So thanks for joining us, Karen. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, It's been really nice to reconnect with Karen after a while. And I'm so excited to hear that she just made Aliyah. So first of all, just a huge Mazal Tov to you. And I'm so excited for your new journey up ahead. 
Thank you so much. I am excited to have you here soon, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Bata Tova. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of like who you are, where you're from, and what are you doing now that you've landed? What's your plan? Uh, that question. All my friends know that this question I love to avoid, but here I am. Um, so I was born in Israel. I moved from Israel to Montreal when I was about six years old, a little younger than six years old. Um, yeah, I lived in Montreal um, like practically all of my life. Um, I did elementary and high school. I did CJEP, which is kind of like college in Quebec. And uh, then I went to Israel for a year. And I went to Yeshiva University, and this is where we met. And I recently just graduated in January. Well, it's not really that recent, because, like, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, now I'm in Israel, so I came back home. <laughs> wow. What a story. So you basically just missed all the corona craziness. Um, since you graduated, you didn't have to do any online Zoom classes, right? Thank God, no. I missed it. Yeah. I just missed it. So uh, what did I do during quarantine? Um, I mean, I think the introvert in me was really thriving. And <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. I, uh, I kind of am okay with um, being alone for like, a long time and like mm -hmm. and it doesn't really feel that alone nowadays um because we have facetime and whatsapp and zoom and like etc etc and many like things to watch and i yeah. took online mm -hmm. classes and i was writing and making art and doing photography so like honestly i really kept myself occupied um making projects constantly um and it was a good time to, you know, stay creative. Like I used this pandemic to stay creative. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And definitely was a good time for your introvert side to just be happy. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was, it's a prime time, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I found that for me as well, being a creative person, it's, nice to just have so much time to focus and work on things that I feel like were always in my to-do lists that um, mm -hmm. I never was able to kind of keep up with because social life can be really busy and I'm I'm much more of an extrovert so I definitely like enjoyed um, and still am enjoying work from home routines and things like that so um, that's been that's good amazing. so that's amazing how, yeah yeah what were you I, I, I just I just feel like many people have discovered a new side to them that they wouldn't have been able to discover otherwise. How has it been for you moving during this pandemic? And are you in quarantine right now? Are you done with the quarantine? So the moving, uh, wow, this is, mm, was it, the moving was in many different stages. Um, and the Aliyah process kind of took a while because because of Corona, especially. Um, 
but I got super excited. Like I'm telling you, I started to pack my bags like <laughs> an embarrassing two months before <laughs> the, wow. my actual Aliyah. Like I packed like the things that I was definitely going to need and wasn't going to use in the, in the near future uh, at the time. Um, kind of like, you know, uh, winter clothes and things like that. Um, how was the process and quarantine? Okay, so when I arrived, I arrived uh, August 10. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a week. And a week later, uh, the Ministry of Health in Israel declared that um, anyone coming from a green zone country does not have to be in quarantine. I left early, but I was staying at the Dan Hotel, uh, Dan Panorama Hotel in Tel Aviv, right in front of the beach. I honestly had an amazing experience. <laughs> like, I actually loved it. You know, besides the obvious that I wasn't able to go outside to the beach and, you know, do that. Um, besides that, I really enjoyed my time in a full room to myself. Um, it was it was really good. I really liked it. You get three meals a day. I don't even yeah. eat three meals a day. Like, I'll be lucky if I have two. <laughs> Call zero and whatever you need they will give you like it's amazing and sometimes they just pass by the halls and they knock on your door um selling obviously like so israeli like they're selling beer and wine and khatifin you know like snacks that's um, so funny yeah i was at some point i got like annoyed <laughs> like i didn't answer the door but um but I guess it was, like, nice to, like, talk to people face-to-face. It was weird because it's, like, wow, I'm actually not talking, seeing people face-to-face for, like, a whole week. Um, oh, Shabbat was really interesting. Basically, what I did, um, I took one of the pillowcases um, and put it on the table, and I used it, like, as a white tablecloth, and I used one of, like, the transparent garbage bags to put on top so that way, like, it doesn't like get stained um (laughs) and uh I just I got food um I got a special delivery um uh one of the neighbors she came out of uh like like every sun like every time there's sunset all of the people like go outside so it's like a really great way to kind of like socialize um, and there was this one woman outside who, on the balconies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, outside on the balconies. There were there were mm-hmm. balconies facing right towards the beach. So it was really lovely. Wow. Um yeah, it was amazing. I have some really nice sunset shots. <laughs> that sounds um, so nice. And like having the balconies and like being able to socialize with people who are also in quarantine, I feel like that's just such a game changer. Oh my god, yeah, it was super interesting. I think like one of the really amazing encounters I had was this um, um, woman who was like two doors away from me um, mm-hmm. and she just kind of shouted like, hey, like I'm doing a project. And I'm like, 
wow, that's awesome. So she called my room and we started to speak in English. And then, you know, immediately we switched to Hebrew because she figured out I'm Israeli and, uh, She started to tell me that she um, she's doing this project um, and she's an anthropologist um, and she's just kind of like talking to people from the balcony and wanting to hear their story and just making it like a series and making chapters and then she's posting it on Facebook and and then like, wow, like she, there's so many comments of like people so many different people like like i mentioned the hotel was mostly um olim okay so mm-hmm. she was very interested to hear um people's stories um and you know the first thing i said was like oh well what's you know what's so special about my story like you know don't bother and um when she posted it like I was really surprised to see how many people commented and whether, you know, I don't know. It was, it was a nice feeling. I felt like I was part of like (laughs) humans of New York or something. (laughs) That's awesome. And it was very special. Amazing. Wow. I love that she did that project. I want to go check out that post for sure. Um, So You mentioned like your story is not special. And I think that brings us a good segue to ask why you initially decided to make Aliyah and what, you know, what's your motivation? So why? Okay. I mean, as as cliche as it may sound, I mean, like I say with confidence that Israel is my home. I feel secure here more than any other place in the world. Um, the strangers here don't feel like strangers and can almost instantly feel like family. <laughs> and Tachlis, like deep down, I always knew that the day will come where I'll be back home to my birth land, back with my family, back to future in Canada anymore. And in the end, Israel is the best place for me to realize my dream of you know, honest, I mean, I know your show is also about dating. So I mean, yeah, I, I want to get married and start a home and all this stuff. So um, I think Israel is the best place for me to do this. I mean, it's something I've yeah. always wanted. And, um, you know, we we only got a limited time here. <laughs> yeah, we got one last year. Yeah, yeah, I totally sure. understand. yeah. I mean, it's, I'm 25. Whole- so <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different uh, mentality. And I've been just recently telling people, I feel like, you know, I'm sort of in a long distance relationship with Israel because I'm like always mm. thinking about it, but like, I don't wow. live there. But I just feel so connected to Israel. So it's like, mm. you know, hopefully someday we'll be, there won't be that distance anymore. And then I feel like I'll feel closer to Israel and closer to myself. So Amen. I really hope, uh, I mean, I hope so too. I mean, if this is what you want, um, you know, just don't, don't rush yourself. I know it's hard, Mm -hmm. but like really timing is everything and you should really 
feel and understand that it's right. And I mean, yes. I don't think I'm like the best example, to be honest. Like a lot of my decisions are not the most calculated and logical. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, my family kind of told me, you know, work a little bit and in Canada and like make some money. It's always about money. Uh, and then come to Israel ready. And like, I understand. I see where they're coming from. I know Israelis. I am Israeli. I, I get it. I, I, I No one loves um, financial uh, problems. So uh, I understand that. But I just, I'm just like, not a logical person like that. And um, I've always lived my life uh, primarily following my emotions and what I feel is right and wrong. And it has worked so far for me. Thank God. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna keep doing that. And then me and Karen had a lot of technical difficulties. So we continued our interview via WhatsApp and it worked out quite nicely. So the first question I asked her, what was, was what is the most meaningful moment she's experienced so far in Israel? Wow, uh, what a question. Well, first of all, it's only been a little over two weeks since I arrived, and for the most part of it, I have been in Bidud. However, I think the most meaningful moment is humbly appreciating simply being here and just acknowledging that after all these months of paperwork, many back and forths, um, emotionally preparing myself, and 20 years later since I first left, that I'm finally back to the place I've always really wanted to be in. So, so far, simply being here is the most rewarding part. And just like you mentioned that you feel like you're in a long-distance relationship with Israel. So, yeah, it's exactly that. That long-distance relationship feeling, that's over. Well, for me anyway. And I'm finally here, reunited with my love like all these years, I'm just like showing her off, talking about her, talking about how amazing she is, how there's no one like her and no one will ever replace her for me, etc., etc. It's like everything before was a long inhale and coming back to Israel for good is that soothing, peaceful exhale. <sighs> What are you most excited for about embarking on this journey? So another exciting thing about embarking on this journey is building new opportunities. Um, Many people right after making Aliyah uh, rush to find their perfect job and communities and though some have success, which is lovely, uh, I decided that for my first months here in Israel, I want to take it easy. I want to study full time. Um, I'll be living in the center of Jerusalem, so I'm definitely excited to experience this new atmosphere and lifestyle. And, and you know, later I will find a job. I am not in a rush. Um, I didn't want to come and immediately put myself in a stress of finding a job. Um, I want to do what I know I love doing 100%, and that's learning. So I'm excited to be surrounded and make friends with people who have the same interests but um, regardless of what someone may choose to do post Aliyah whether it's work or study you you will inevitably meet people 
make new friends, find your community. Mamash Israel has a place for any group of people. So yeah, I'm excited to start a new chapter of my life. And you know what they say, Mishane Mako, Mishane Mazal. So thank you so much, Karen, for being on the podcast. It was so nice to catch up with you. I wish you so much luck in this amazing and very exciting new journey of yours. Rebecca, first of all, I apologize for all the technical difficulties we had. Thank you so much for having me at your podcast. I'm truly so honored to have been part of it. And I think this is a great initiative you have started talking about Israel, Aliyah, dating, etc. It's really, really nice. And I mean, I hope I have been helpful and or entertaining. Um, I hope to see you here soon at the right time, of course.